man, I don't even need to preach. You guys are full throttle. <laughs> Pride in my own. I think I'm turned on. <clears throat> Am I coming through? Yes. Awesome. Well, good morning, guys. Everybody, everybody doing good? Yes. So glad, so glad that you're here. I, let me apologize about my voice. It has been hit or miss in the Ferris household this week or this year. But so glad that you guys are here. If you, if you, when you came in, you should have got a message guide. I'd love for you to fill that out and take notes. Um, again, and on the back, you can flip it over and take notes. If some reason, you know, you won't, you won't remember this in a couple of hours, but maybe in a few days, you can have that. But again, welcome. So glad that you're here. Um, today, we're in our second part series of our seventh part series we're calling Jesus Is. And really, the purpose of the series is to begin to open up our eyes and understand, you know, what Jesus represented in those days as well as what, what he represents today. Because if we don't understand what he represented, you know, 2,000 years ago, how can we use his word every day in our daily lives now? But again, it's, it's a great series. I'm really excited about it. But I think too often it's easy for us to forget, you know, what Christ did for us, right? What his deeds we forgot. You know, again, because if you don't remember it 2,000 years ago, it's going to be hard to remember it today. But I want to kind of challenge you, you know, what, if it, what would it look like for us if we began to, you know, tell our problems how big God is versus telling, you know, God how big our problems are. You understand the weight of that? And I think, you know, we just, we get, we forget what he did. And again, that is really the purpose is to kind of challenge us, you know, open up our hearts and our, our ears and our, our minds to be able to understand what Jesus is doing in our lives. Because obviously he's working. I mean, we just hear three or four different stories that are life-changing that you just don't hear on a daily basis. So that's, that's great people to share them. But again, I'm excited about the series and I, I want us to really just understand, you know, what Jesus did. For us, you know, what the price he paid and not just the cross, that was really just, the, you know, the after effect. But, you know, Jesus being a man, he, he walked, uh, you know, just like a real person. He, he was just a real person. He was a teenager. You know, he grew up to be a great teacher. But again, I kind of just want to recap last week. We talked about Jesus is my best friend. If some reason you didn't have a chance to listen to that, Pastor Tracy brought a great word. It's on our website. It's free. You just go listen to it. But, you know, we, we begin to understand, you know, my best friend. What is, what is a best friend? You know, somebody you can call day or night, right? Rain or shine, if you're lost, if you're found. Somebody you can relate to. And Jesus is that person, you know. He, he, he is with you each and every day. Yes, he might not be there, right, you know, in present tense, but his spirit's with you, right? He, he's with you each and every moment. It's important that we understand that. So today, part two, we're talking Jesus is the teacher. You know, what is a teacher? A teacher is somebody that expounds knowledge, Right? begins to expand wisdom and, and kind of sheds light on different stuff. And we learn, and Jesus, I'll prove to you, was the greatest teacher. I mean, it's, it's all throughout Scripture. We see that, you know, we learn from stuff from him because we want to be, you know, we want to be challenge ourselves sometimes and learn stuff. And Jesus is a great teacher. So our theme verse, if you want to turn there, it's in 1 Corinthians 2, a couple verses there. It's in the Message Translation. And um, the Apostle Paul was talking to the church of Corinth, uh, that's what Corinthians is, is the church that would write letters, what we call parables and different stuff like that. But Paul said, you'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you, I didn't try to impress you. And that's important that we understand. We didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. So, you know, the greatest teachers make things easy for us, right? We don't want to try to overcomplicate stuff, try to make things over-spiritualized. You know, I've been in church services where, you know, that you go through a service and you're like, you know, what do you talk about? I don't know, but it was deep. 
what does that do for us, right? We want to make things really easy. And Jesus, you know, he makes things really easy. In, in Louisiana, we call that putting cookies on the bottom shelf, right? We want to make it easy, easy for you to get there. So Paul said, you know, I didn't try to impress you with some type of polished speeches and the latest philosophy. And he goes on in two, and he says, I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who is, and then Jesus and what he did, Jesus crucified. Understand, you know, who, who Jesus is, what what he, what he did for us, what he's going to do for us. So I want to kind of ask you a question today, and it's in your notes. When we don't know what to do, I think we've all been in the situation where, man, you know, what are we going to do? Do we go right? Do we go left? Do we choose A? Do we choose B? I think we've, we've all done that. Well, Jesus being a great teacher, I want to show you today that, you know, he sheds light and gives us wisdom on to take practical steps. So it's important that we understand that. Great scripture I want to bring up. Is Proverbs 14, 12. He said, who, who is Proverbs? So King Solomon wrote Proverbs. He was the wisest, wealthiest man to ever, ever live. And if, if you're familiar, maybe growing up in church, you knew David and Goliath. So David defeats Goliath. Well, he has a son. His name is Solomon. He wrote that. So he says, there is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So think about that for a minute. There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So sometimes we make decisions that we think are right in the moment, but unfortunately they're not. I don't know about you, but I can relate. I've made decisions where I'm like, yeah, that seemed right, but unfortunately maybe that was just an emotional feeling or something. It shouldn't have been the right, the right uh, decision. And you got to ask the question, okay, if this guy's super wise and super knowledgeable, which he is, you know, if they struggle with making the wrong decisions, right, it's, it's only logical. It's going to come for us, you know, 2,000 or so years later. So there's a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So what that tells me is, as humans, we have our, what we call our own teaching process. We, we kind of go through different things. And I didn't make these up. I want to give you four of them today. But, you know, the first thing I think we do is we try to fix it ourselves. I've definitely been there. I don't know about you, but, you know, I'm a pra I consider myself a pretty practical guy, right? I just like to find things that I think I can do, I can measure up, and I let God bless them, right? So I'm not, you know, if I'm... If I'm saying, hey, I want to get a promotion at work, I'm not staying up late, you know, eating Cheetos on the couch watching Scooby-Doo, right? I'm, I'm, I'm asleep early, getting up early, you know, proving to my employees, my coworkers, hey, I'm, I'm the man for the job. And right, God can bless that. But sometimes we get, maybe you can relate that we get in kind of situations where we kind of work ourselves out of different, different things. It makes it a little bit harder than that. So I think the first thing we said, we try to fix ourselves. I mean, we just said, hey, you know, I don't need any help. You know, I can do it myself. I can fix it. I don't know about you, but it usually never works. You know, some things we can fix, obviously some practical stuff, but most of the stuff, it's just hard. The second thing I think we do in our teaching process is we look to others. You know, letting others influence is good, but most of the time it's bad, right? We learn, we learn the wrong way. You've got to say, why? Well, it's hard for broken people to lead other broken people, right? Only God can lead broken people. Like, you're not here today you know, listening to me, I'm not that good of a communicator, right? You're here because you're wanting something more. You're trying to hear from God. And God can use people, right? He can speak through me. He can speak through you. But the thing is, like I said, our teaching process, we look to others. we, we got to be careful about that. I think the third thing we do is we learn to live with it. And this is dangerous, right? We, we become accustomed to our okay. We kind of just slide it on the rug and say, you know what? It, it's going to be okay. We're just going to learn to live with it. There's a key saying that people would rather live in the toxic than the unknown. So the toxic meaning the unhealthy, right, the things that we're accustomed to, the okay, even though it might be healthy or unhealthy, probably it's unhealthy, then the unknown. The unknown is the faith, right? 
It's hard. If, if we knew what was going to happen next, we wouldn't need faith, right? I think uh, personally, I, I believe this, you, you take it with a grain of salt, but I think, you know, when things happen, um, you know, things happen to us, I think sometimes God will, you know, kind of put up a block so we don't see everything that happened, so we continue to have faith, right? I think too often, you know, say if we knew what happened, we wouldn't need God, we wouldn't need faith, but that, that's not the case. So I think the fourth thing in our teaching process is we turn to God. We say, well, Jonathan, isn't that the right thing to, to do? God should be our first response, not our last result. Not our last result. I apologize for my voice. I hate this. But too often, like I said, we, we try to do all these things, saying uh, uh, we can fix it. And then we get to God. Well, then what do we do? You know, practical-wise, we, we say a prayer. And if God didn't answer our prayer in 24 hours, well, the God thing didn't work. We see that all the time. And, and, and you got to understand that was never the case. It didn't work yesterday. It won't work today. Now, don't say God can't fix something in 24 hours. He can do it in a moment. But you got to understand the weight of that, right? you got to understand our teaching process, we try to do that. And I said earlier, you write this down if, if you want to, Jesus was the greatest teacher and leader by example. You know, in every parable that he wrote, he gave truth, he gave grace, he showed people, hey, this is the way you're going, this is the way you should go, right? He was very honest, but he had authority about it that people, you know, kind of cling to. And you can say, you know, Jesus was the greatest teacher. It's easily proven because he could talk to people for a moment. You know, people would sit there and, and not eat for hours and just hear him talk, right? I don't know, you've got to be a pretty good communicator to hold somebody's attention, you know, for, for hours at a time. I mean, the, the average brain, the average human brain only can, can handle about 30 minutes. That's why our message is around 30 minutes, right? Because there's no point having a two-hour service if you, we lost you after 31 minutes, right? You guys get what I'm saying? So he was a great leader. He was a great teacher. And you got to say, you know, you don't see that type of loyalty nowadays. You know, you see people trying to get ahead. We try people cursing you, stealing, you know, trying to get ahead of the corporate ladder. And you don't see that authority. But Jesus made it so simple for people to understand, hey, here's grace, right? Here's knowledge. Here's wisdom. I've already paid the price for you. Follow me. And that's what we want to do. We want to learn from the great teacher. I want to look in Ephesians 5.1. Again, this is the Apostle Paul. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And this is, he was writing a letter to the church of Ephesus. And this is in the message translation. He says, watch what God does. And then you do it like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. That's important. So God loves us, right? Well, we want to try to be imitators of Christ. He says, keep going. And everything is important, obviously, in the scripture. But take note of, of the yellow. It says, keep company with him and learn a life of love. Keep company with him. Right? We, we begin to keep company with our best friend. Right? We, we grow closer to them. We keep company with you know, a teacher. Hey, if he can teach me something, if she can teach me something, right? we want to stay near to them. We want to learn. I don't know about you, but leaders are learners. Like if, we're not, if we're not learning, it's going to be hard for us to leave. Right? We, we can't leave because we can't put out what we don't put in. It's, it's across the board you know, in your marriage. It's hard to give <clears throat> relational advice if you know, if your relationship is kind of on the rocks or it's hard to get marriages, you got to understand the weight of that, right? So keep company with him and learn a life of love. Another uh, version, this kind of condensed version, Ephesians 5.1, you are God's children whom he loves. So try to be like him. Our purpose is to be like God, right? We're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. We do it every day. But that's why God's grace is here for us. He says, hey, no, Jonathan, you fell short, but it's okay. I still love you, right? I see your potential. You are God's children whom he loves, so try to be like him. Each day, you know, 
renew your mind. That's what we call reading the Bible, reading the Scripture. We're renewing our mind. He's making a brand new day. You know, for, too often we still live in what happened yesterday, and we stand in the rut, right? We keep, we keep throwing stuff under the rug. That's the four practical steps that we don't want to do. So I want you to write this down. Like I said, great teachers make things easy, right? We want to make things so easy that you can take these points and you can apply it to your life. And not just for today, but, you know, tomorrow, for Wednesday, for next week. So teachers, what do they do? They show us things, right? They continue to shed light on stuff. They t- continue to teach us stuff, to challenge us, to really expand our horizon, our knowledge on stuff. Well, Jesus, being a great teacher himself, Jesus teaches us things. He shows us, hey, this is not right. This is wrong. Maybe you're making the wrong decision. He, there's a spirit man inside of you teaching us things. So teachers show us things. Jesus teaches us things. Great scripture. Again, this is the Apostle Paul talking again. Ephesians 4, a couple verses. He said, Who, he who descended is the very one who ascended, and this is God, ascended above all the heavens in order to fill all things. And it was he who gave some to be. So let's, I want to break everything down. First, he said, Apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and to be teachers. To equip the, everybody say this word, saints. I think a lot of people confuse that thing, that that word, to equip the saints, right? These categories right here, we're not called to do everything, right? I can't make a chicken pot pie and be at every hospital room, right? But we can develop people in the house of God to get there. You know what I'm saying? I want to show you about, I want to talk about spiritual giftings today too. And we all have a gift, right? We all have a grace for something. So he calls apostles, prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to equip the saints for work of the ministry. Important right here, to build up the body of Christ. That's important, right? We're supposed to be unified together. A lot of churches, we build up the body of men, right? We're, not, we're forgetting about Jesus, what he paid for us. This is his church. All we're doing is stewarding, and stewarding it well. That's, that's what we do each week. You know, that's why we serve, because we're trying to create atmospheres and opportunities for lost people to be saved, right? I think there's, we talk about all the time, there's, there's four really sectors. I think if you really, really focus on these four sectors, it's going to be hard to stray from God. And we call it knowing God, you know, finding freedom, understanding what, what happened to you yesterday. A lot of people hold on to that baggage. Remember, we sweep it under the rug, you know, discovering your purpose. We all have a gifting. We're all good at something. I want to talk about that a little bit later and show you some scripture. The last thing is, you know, to to really see that through. through, I mean, to to see that the whole dream team, the whole effect that we're ministering thing. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, ultimately make a difference. So apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for works of ministry to build up the body of Christ. So I want to break all those down real quick. Just kind of help you show, you know, what, what exactly is apostle? Apostles are a messenger. They're a delegate, one commissioned by another to represent him in some way, especially a man sent out by Jesus Christ himself to preach the gospel. So we hear this a lot. You know, apostles are you know, essentially church planners, right? If we're, if we're real technical, Pastor Tracy, you know, him and Miss Nancy, they've launched multiple churches, right? They're apostles, you know. A lot of people don't go by that name because it kind of adds to your title. But essentially, apostles are church planners. They go out. Next thing is, he calls prophets. And prophets are not, you know, nothing weird. I think a lot of people, like I said, kind of convolute them and kind of make them, you know, sound weird. Prophet, a prophet or interpreter or foreteller of the divine 
will, a person gifted at exposing divine truths. That's just somebody that God speaks knowledge through you, right? We each have a spiritual gifting. You know, I've heard some people say, hey, Jonathan, I have dreams, right? I have dreams that maybe I should go pray for this person. Or maybe I should go call that person, check up on them. A prophet is just that. It's not some weird fortune teller that you pay $25 at a park to say, hey, am I going to find love, right? It's nothing, nothing mystical about it. Just people, you know, human nature, right, have made things weird. But it's, it's not weird. Prophets, it, it, you see it. And let me say this. Just because you see a prophet on TV doesn't make their prophet, right? You've got to understand the difference because there's a lot of, a lot of sketchy people out there you just, you just don't know. So prophets. Next thing is evangelists. A bringer of good news. A missionary. Bearer of good tidings. Right? Evangelists. So that doesn't mean, you know, that you're a missionary. You're, you know, in Zimbabwe teaching the message. Right? That could be at Walmart, your cashier. We're all called to evangelize. It's, it's like you said, these, in these kind of the, these five categories evangelize, right? There's nothing weird about that. Say, hey, man, I want to share what, I, what God has done for me, just like you shared your stories earlier. Evangelize. The next thing is pastors. You know, we, we are shepherds, you know, a, a shepherd, a feeder, protector, a ruler, a flock, of a flock of men. And back in those times, men meaning plural, men and women, it's not just one. You know, our goal is to help, you know, shepherd you, to feed you, to, to give you, you know, protection, to try to, you know, pastor and equip you and develop you. That's what pastors do. And the last thing he talked about was teachers. Jesus, a great teacher, like we talked about. An instructor, a teacher, a master. You know, again, we all have spiritual giftings. And you might have heard, you know, we have what we call a charismatic grace. And let me break that word down. Because I think that too often people hear charismatic and they automatically assume that people run around screaming and shouting. That actually doesn't mean that. Charismatic actually came from a, a, the, the root word, a Greek and Hebrew word called charis. Right? So what that means is, that means you have a, a grace of something. You're full of grace. So we're, we, we have a spiritual gift and we're full of something. So maybe you're full of teaching. You want to see people be taught the word. Maybe you want to, you know, have a grace to see people evangelize or prophesy. You get what I'm saying? There's nothing weird or spooky about it. It's just unfortunately, you know, the, 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 the world has given charismatic a weird name. It's nothing weird about it. So teachers, an instructor, a teacher, we all have different spiritual giftings. Let me prove it to you. Great scripture. First Peter 4.10. God has given, everybody say this word, each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So that shows me two things, really. One, I have at least one spiritual gifting. I'll be honest, you know, with teaching next steps and having, you know, um, you know, our opportunity to learn people's personality and spiritual giftings, most people have like five or ten. They're just good at stuff, right? They like to pray for people. They like to care for people. They like to see people healed. They like to prophesy. There's different stuff, right? That shows two things. One, we have a great variety. We have at least one spiritual gifting. Again, most people have more than one. The second thing is we're supposed to use them, right? I see a lot of people from different, you know, backgrounds that I see their potential. I know they could do great things, but unfortunately, you know, each Sunday... Are sitting on the pew. It's nothing, and nobody in this room don't get offended to that. But there's, you know what I'm saying? There's people, right, that, that ride the pew and they're going to heaven, right? Everything's good there, but unfortunately, man, they could do so much more for the kingdom if they just began to serve. And it's not just, you know, wearing a name tag. I'm talking, you know, at the cashier at Walmart, right, in the streets, you know, serving people, using them. So use them well to serve one another. So I say all that, we all have a spiritual gifting. God, Jesus came here to show us something. And I want to give you four things today. 
and really make it easier. Again, you write these down in, in your message guide. The first thing is, Jesus came to show us how to overcome temptation. So we learned last week, you know, Jesus was a man, right? I think a lot of people are saying, well, he came here a couple days before, you know, Easter, jumped on the cross, died, and he left. Unfortunately not. He was here for a long time. He saw a lot of crazy people, right? He got to hung out with us. He had people problems just like we did. He was a teenager. He grew up. Now, it's probably different from him because, you know, with his brothers and sisters kind of playing around, he probably just popped through windows, right? He didn't have to go through the doors. He just popped through the doors. So it's a little different, you know, from a spiritual standpoint, but we got to understand how to overcome temptation. Because I think a lot, of, a lot of times we hear temptation, we automatically think the sexual thing. Yeah, it is most of the time. But, you know, we can have habits to, you know, bad habits to food or addiction or different stuff like that. I don't know about you, but, you know, I like to eat. So, uh, you know, sometimes I'll say, let me, let me go get a snack real quick. So we got to understand how to overcome temptation. And I want to kind of give you some context in Matthew 4. So Matthew 4, Jesus is preparing for his ministry. He goes to the desert in the wilderness, and he begins to fast and pray. So for 40 days and 40 nights, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard to fast for 40 minutes. I don't know about 40 days and 40 nights. So he became hungry. Well, we see it in Scripture. He says the tempter, that means the enemy, Satan, came to tempt him. There's three different examples I want to give you. And the first one was... Um, you know, he said, hey, you know, if you're really the son of man, you turn these rocks into, into bread. And he said, no, man doesn't live by bread alone. The second thing he says, he said, hey, you know, he takes him to a high cliff. He said, hey, if you jump off these mountains, you know, your angels to protect. He said, no, do not test God. And the third thing he said, he came up and said, you know, he said, hey, if you bow down in front of me, I'll give you all the power. And he said, flee from me. So we pick up in chapter 4, verse 11. He said, then the devil left him. And the angels came and attended him. So Jesus himself, the Son of Man, the Messiah, felt temptations, right? He, he was just like us. We feel temptations every day. Again, I think too often we just think, oh, Jesus had it easy. Uh, no, being murdered brutally did not have it easy. Uh, you know, it was very, very tough. So then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him, Matthew 4.11. So he, he struggled, right? He had, you know, overcome temptation. The second thing I want to show you today is how we face impossible situations. We all go through impossible situations, you know. Amy and I have been kind of in a season where we're just like, man, what, what is next, right? What, what, is the, what is the next practical step we take that God can kind of honor that and bless it? We all go through impossible situations, but that's the point of having faith, right? We, we got to have faith, and it, it's hard. <laughs> Let me just tell you, it is hard. I, I'm, I'm right there with you, but we still got to have it, and, you know. God never said that we would have a perfect life. He just said he would never forsake us. He's always going to be there with us. But just because we're a believer of Christ, right, doesn't mean life is going to be easier. To me, it, it's harder, right, because we have an enemy. John 10, 10, the enemy comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. Key word, only, right? He didn't come to be your friend for a little bit. He comes to try to destroy different stuff. So a perfect example in, in Hebrew eleven six 6, says, without faith, everybody say that, without, without. faith. It is impossible to please him because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's important right there because anyone who comes to him must believe. We have to believe, you know. We had, some, I had a guy ask us the other day, you know, how do we know the Bible is true, right? At some point, you just got to believe, right? You just got to believe that somebody wrote this Bible that hung out with Jesus that was right there at that time you know, several thousand years later that we still have the Word. And I'll be honest, back in the day, 
you know, people didn't have Bibles. You know, the disciples started reading the Bible, I mean, writing the Bible. They didn't know it would ever get to us. They were putting it in caverns and different caves and glass bottles. And that's when you go, you know, overseas to, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan. That wasn't always their names. That was Jerusalem, different stuff like that. That's where it all happened. But that's when we find stuff. So it's important that we understand at some point you just got to believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So that's important. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. Worst, I mean, even if you have a bad day, you still get to earnestly seek him, right? Hey, God, I fell short. Today wasn't my day. Help me to, you know, to better myself. It's important that we understand that. And just kind of give you some context. Uh, Hebrews 11, it's kind of what we call faith into action, right? Faith is confidence in knowing something and assurance that, you know, that we don't, might not see something, but we know it, it'll happen at some point. That is what faith is. We have to have faith. Uh, that's what salvation is. Salvation is grace through faith. So no man can boast, right? So nobody can walk around and say, hey, I did this for God or I did this. No, no, no. It's free. It's a free gift. That's why it's so important that we, 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 we seek Jesus. You know, we earnestly seek him. So the third thing I want to talk about is how to submit to God's plan. We all have a plan. God has a plan and a purpose for each of us, right? He has a plan and a purpose. We have spiritual giftings. Why would he give us spiritual giftings if he didn't have a plan for us, right? That, that wouldn't make any sense because then we wouldn't be effective. And I'll say this, you know, when we're talking about spiritual giftings, a lot of people's like, well, I don't know if I want to submit 100%. I don't want to, you know, go to India or some foreign, foreign continent and share the gospel. I don't think God would send you a place that you don't have a grace for, right? Because why would he? That wouldn't be effective. So it's important. We, we all have a spiritual gift, and we all have a place and a purpose we're supposed to serve, whether it be locally in the four walls of a church, you know, at a soup kitchen, you know, on the street, you know, like I said, across the world. God gives us a grace for something, a charismatic grace for something. So he has a plan for us, how to submit to God's plan. 1 Peter 2.21, great scripture. To this... You were called, right? I was called. We were called. We were all called to this. You were called because Christ suffered for you. Jesus Christ, he suffered for us, leaving you an example, right? He was a great teacher. He said, hey, this is, this is the ball game, right? This is how you play. These are, the, these are the, you know, the stipulations, the rules. You know, Use this word that I'm giving you, this teaching to give you, and apply it to your daily lives, to apply it to your family's lives to the people, you know, Bubba and Ray are at work, right, to share it with the gospel of people. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps, right? We're, we're going to be imitators of Christ. That, that is the point. We want to be just like Christ. We want to imitate Christ, that you should follow in his steps. Another great verse that Proverbs, King Solomon wrote, a couple of scriptures here. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Now, that's important. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, right? That's like the first things we don't want to do. When we lean on our own understanding, we start making silly decisions that we shouldn't make, right? We think, hey, that's smart enough. I'm, I'm smart enough. I don't need any help. Don't be that person, right? Reserve the right to get better. Reserve the right to get better. And always submit to him, right? And each day, hey, it's okay. Falling short. Hey, I shouldn't have said that. I should have done this. Right? We're going to make mistakes. The goal is to avoid them. But when you do, learn from them. Don't go back and make the same mistakes. And I understand that's hard, right? I've been there while like, 
I said, I'm not going to do that again. Literally, I do it the next day. I'm like, Jonathan, you're an idiot, <laughs> right? We, we make mistakes, but it's okay. God's love is unending. He loves us. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. I don't know about you, but I want a straight path. Life is already hard enough. I don't want to go, you know, I don't want to take the interstate. I just want to stay on the feeder road, right? I just want to make it simple. So the fourth thing, <clears throat> how to show unconditional love. That's an important one. You know, unconditional love, that's, that's showing people really true, honest love, right? I, I love you where you are. Too often, you know, we try to come in and, you know, looking from the outside in, we try to judge people where they are. It didn't work like that. You know, too, it's, it's too easy to do it. It's just not fair. It's not, it's not a fair game, right? We got to be able to come in and say, hey, this is, I see where you are. Let me try to help you. Let me try to pray for you. Let me show unconditional love. You guys with me? You guys are quiet today. How to show unconditional love. Man, that's what it's all about. That's why we do small groups. We don't do small groups just to say we do small groups. We do small groups to relate to people. Right? We have something just about every single night of the week. I encourage you to get plugged in. There's a great small group on Overcomers, Ms. Terry and Mr. Rufus. They do that every single Sunday night. It starts at 530, 5 o'clock, 5 to 6. I hear stuff every single week about good stuff like that. Monies, we talk about fresh start. A lot of people, you know, they know the Bible, but they don't know the author. You got to know the difference, right? People, Jesus spoke to people through. And we talk about that. We talk about the tough subject. Hey, who's, who's God? Who's Jesus? Who's the Holy Spirit? A lot of people contradict those. We're trying to help people. On Tuesday nights, we talk about freedom. There's things that you went through, hardships, maybe relational dysfunction, divorces, different stuff, you know, maybe, you know, pornography, addiction, stuff like that you've gone through that has been with you for years and years. Maybe you didn't have a good childhood growing up. Maybe you didn't have a good parent. Maybe you didn't have any good parents, right? Maybe your parents didn't say they were proud of you. There's different weights that, that are on you, right, that stay on you for years and years. And we try to kind of unveil that in a healthy way. We don't, it's not just like an AA where you just go in circle and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. No, we say, hey man, God has a plan for you, right? He has a purpose for you. He has something greater for you. Answers, that's, that's great. It's answers for you to show unconditional love. In Luke 7, 47, I'll kind of give you some context. So Jesus was teaching to one of his disciples, Simon Peter. Um, I don't know why they had two names, but God would all, all, you know, often <laughs> rename people, so it kind of made it confusing. But Simon Peter, he's talking to uh, Jesus, and Jesus is saying, hey, you know, this is how you show unconditional love. And this lady that, that came to Jesus had nothing, nothing, just like we do. We don't have nothing. Just because you have, you know, money or extra, you know, dollar bills and all that, that don't mean nothing, right? It's just a materialistic thing. You never go to a funeral and see a U-Haul behind the casket, right? You can't take that stuff. And again, nothing wrong with having things. It's just when things have you. We just got to understand the difference. So it says, therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown, right? That's important, as her great love has shown. Sometimes all you have is unconditional love. You might not have finances or resources or stuff like that. All you might have is just you and maybe a prayer. That's, that's it's important that we understand that. But whoever has been forgiven loves little. That is important too, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. So too often, you know, we'll make mistakes that, okay, you know, it's okay, I've been forgiven little. But too often, that reminds us. I think it happens to me sometimes, and maybe you can relate, is, you know, too often we want to judge people from our standard, but when it's our time to be judged, we lower the standard, right? It's happened. So 
but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. We gotta ensure that, man, when we're forgiving people, we're forgiving people big, right? Just like Jesus did for this lady. She had nothing. She came to Jesus and said, I have nothing. Just tears, crying. Her many sins have been forgiven. Jesus forgives our sins. That's why he paid the price. Each and every day, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's never ending. That's why it's so important we talk about, you know, Jesus, don't, don't just come to church to come to church. Man, I encourage you, you know, spend time in the Word every day. Well, Jonathan, I'm busy. Welcome to the world, right? We're all busy. We got stuff to do. Even if you just read a chapter, I'm telling you, you read that chapter and it'll just show you, man, that, that can apply to me. I can apply it to my situation, right? Maybe my relationships, maybe my finances, maybe my marriage. The whole point is that we understand God's grace and his love. And as I kind of get ready to kind of wrap things up, this is in your notes. I want you to write it down. This is important that we understand that. Jesus did not come to earth just to die. I think a lot of people think he just came to pay the price. No, he, he didn't. Right? He was a teacher. Right? He, he, he grew up as a boy, as a baby, and as a boy, as a teenager. He grew up wise and knowledgeable. And he came here to teach us things, to earth, just to die. Jesus also came to teach us how to live, right? How to live in freedom, how to live in prosperity, right? How to be overcomers, right? How to say, hey, this is your situation, but it don't always have to be your, your situation, right? Your past doesn't have to be your future. But if we, if we keep following those same uh, footsteps, right, it's only practical, it's gonna happen. It's only logical. That's why we, we gotta ensure that each day we're turning to Jesus. Hey, yesterday was a bad day, it's okay. God loves you, he cares for you, he has a plan and a purpose. But I'm telling you, when you, when you get in his will, right, when his, in his swim lane, you'll wanna leave that old, those old ways. And it's a process, understand, it, it's a process. It, it takes longer for some people. It's so important that we understand that. Jesus did not come to earth just to die. He came to teach us how to live, saved by his grace. And this is probably one of the most profound scriptures that you hear. And I'll, I'll encourage you before I read it. You know, there's a lot of scripture in the Bible. There's a lot of scripture in the Bible. Even me, I was like, you know, sometimes I'll forget a scripture and I'll have to go back and look at it. If you're, if you're not a note taker, I encourage you to begin a note taker. I know growing up, dad, you know, mom and dad, they'd always have scriptures, you know, taped up to the refrigerator or to the, to the mirror and all that, just to remember. Jeremy, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. We're reading the right scripture, right? To give you a future and a hope. He has plans for you. So you have, he has a plan for you. He's giving you spiritual gifts, right? A grace for something, a grace for somebody, grace for people. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. So if you say, hey, you know, Jonathan, I didn't grow up in a healthy environment growing up, uh, maybe a, a good parenting thing. My parents didn't care for me. It's okay, because God had a plan for you, even before you were even conceived. I think it's hard to imagine that, hard to understand that, but God has a purpose for you, a plan for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and hope. You guys still with me? You guys are quiet today. So I want to kind of give you just one more thing. I want you really to think about this for a minute. I don't want to get in a rush and really understand this. And I was kind of just meditating, just kind of preparing this week. God gave me two sentences. And I, I know it's God because I'm not that smart. So it's important. Two things I really want y'all to think about real quick. What do people do? We'll just play a fill in the blank game real quick. People define you. They define you. You see it all the time. You know, 
People define you. Hey, where did you go to school, right? What kind of education do you have? How much money do you have in the bank? How many kids do you have? How many cars do you have, right? Where do you live? What's your neighborhood zip code, right? People define you. They quickly see you from the outside in and say, nope, that person don't want to amount to anybody. You know what Jesus gave me this week? People define you. What does Jesus do? Jesus refines you, right? He sees your potential. You see the difference? People define you. They say, no, this is where you came from. This is where you're going. No, not today. I got somebody that died for me 2,000 years ago and saying, hey, you're above and not beneath. You're the head, not the tail. Jesus refines us. He sees our potential. He says, hey, no, Jonathan, I actually called you something greater. Right, church family? I've called you something greater, more higher value, something great inside you. There's, there's greatness in here. You just got to develop it. Right? It's in here. And let me just encourage you to do this. We talk about the spirit to get things a lot because it's one of the four sectors I think God has wanted for all people. But in order for us to, you know, to be refined, and, and we, we, got to, we got to teach ourselves, right? Leaders are learners. And I encourage you, the second and fourth Sunday of every month, we have what we call next steps right here. I'll teach it. If you give me an hour of your time, I will show you some of your personality traits, right? If you have a personality, some people don't, right? If you have one, if you don't, your spiritual giftings, you know, what, what, what you're good at. And, and I'll say this, you know, purpose happens through us. It didn't happen to us. You know, that's just a, a measurable step we take, a piece of paper, that we understand that. But people define you. Jesus refines Jesus. Hey, I've called you to something greater, something more purposeful, Jonathan. So at this time, I just want to pray for every single person. If you would, just remain at your, your, your seat. I just want to pray for you. I really just want to pray for two things today. And the first thing is prayer. That as Christ followers, we begin to learn more about Jesus each and every day. We begin to say, hey, Jesus, you know, if you see my life, obviously it is not working. I need something greater than you, something more, you know, something more powerful, more inspirational. Lord, I just want to pray, God, I just pray for every single person in this room. God, I thank you for just the grace and mercy that you've given each of us, God. God, I just ask that you just be with each person in this room, God, each and every day that you, you teach them something. God, not in a manipulative form, but God, you just show them, hey, this is, this is not what's best for you. You are my sons and daughters, and we, we love you, and we appreciate you. And we just begin just to, to share with each person, God, of your grace and mercy. And I just thank you for that. And the second prayer, I just want to make sure that everybody knows Jesus. This is the most important time of the service. Yes, you know, great practical steps. We want to take that, but we want to ensure that people know Jesus. And if for some reason you don't know Jesus, I just want you to slip your hand up. This is just between me and you and God. I'm not going to take you to some sketchy room. I just want to pray for you right there. Just on the, the count of three. One, two, three. You do not have to be ashamed. This is just between us. Anybody. Well, Lord, I thank you for today. God, I, again, I just thank you for the opportunity to speak. God, I just hope that people saw you through me, Lord, and I just appreciate the stage to be able to speak, and I just ask for this grace and mercy for, for us, God. Thank you for the sacrifice that you paid 2,000 years ago. Thank you just for the knowledge and wisdom you continue to show us each and every day, God, as we continue just to grow in your word and your wisdom, God, and your, your knowledge and confidence. God, just redeem us and just sanctify us, God. Just forgive us of our sins, our trespasses. God, the things that just that we just we didn't mean to say or do, God, forgive us of our sins and just make us clean, wash us clean, and make us whole again so we can be a light for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, we love you. Uh, again, if anybody, Dad, if you want to come up and if anybody, anybody needs prayer, I'd love to pray with you guys. That would be great. <clears throat>
Exhausted, you will be my strength. <laughs> 